0: Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Spiritual Warfare Um, I've studied through Karis Bible College and one of our studies was on Spiritual Warfare. And it was called Finally Brethren. And I love the, the the actual text. So I took it out and I put it here because we all want to start at Ephesians 6.10 when it comes to spiritual warfare. But it says, finally, having done all. So who starts climbing a ladder at the top? Or who reads a book from the back? You've got to say, okay, well, finally means... Something's happened before that, and I've finally got there. You know, I've been on a long trip, and I've finally got there. So we've got to go back and say, okay, well, what happened in the first five chapters that Paul is actually emphasizing to us before we can put this? So what um, the lecturer wrote here is that before Paul teaches us about spiritual armor, he helps us to develop our spiritual authority because he knows that unless there's a warrior inside of us, there won't be a warrior inside our armor In fact, even when he makes his classic statement in this touchstone verse on spiritual warfare, his direction is actually focused on who we are more than what we put on. He directs us to be strong. Putting on the external armor seems secondary to the commandment to exert our internal strength. You see, God is not in the business of just passing out uniforms. He's in the business of equipping soldiers. Okay. The attack is spiritual. I think we all need to just take like, solace in the fact and peace in the fact that Jesus said to us, in this world you will have trouble. We're not immune to trouble in this world. But um, he does say, take heart for I've overcome the world, and I think that's a very important part for us. But what I want you to understand is that Ephesians 6 talks about um, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So it is a spiritual attack. When I was a young believer, I was probably 18, I got to a place where I just said, you know what, I'm tired of just being a normal Christian. I want to be that ex-person that raises the dead, that heals the sick, that drives out demons. And I got really serious with God. And I had, I had actually been at my grand's house watching a movie. It was a horror movie. And I went to bed that evening. My, my grandfather had passed away, so my brother and I were just keeping my grand. Some company, and so we were sleeping in the same bed, and the next moment there was a presence in the room, and I became very aware of it. And I asked my brother if he could feel anything, and he was like, "No, no way." But if if I looked at where his walk was and my walk was, I was a little bit ahead of him with that. And so I sat there, knowing there was something in the room, and this presence kept going over me. And the next moment, I was in a hole, a, a black hole, and sinking really, really fast. And I remember trying to grab out like this with my hands, trying to call my brother. And the Holy Spirit spoke clearly into that and said to me, Donna, rebuke it. And I just said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And instantly I was back in the bed. My brother, clueless as to what I'd just been through. But very encouraging for me as a brand new Christian that the name of Jesus is a powerful, powerful name. So don't worry about if I don't have all the knowledge in the Word of God and I don't know scriptures. You know what? If you're a new believer, the name of Jesus is all you need right now. Okay, he carries that authority. The other thing is that my brother, knowing I didn't move my hands, it was a spiritual thing. He, I mean, he didn't feel anything, and I was raving with my arms. So it's definitely a spiritual attack. Oh, I forgot to put my timer on. Sorry. Okay, so with all this going on, who is our enemy? The Bible talks about a thief in John ten verse ten. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. In um, Revelations, he's called the accuser of the brothers and sisters. He accuses them before God day and night. In one Peter five verse seven to ten, he's, your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's not even a, ro- a lion. He's a lark, a roaring lion. Um, in Ephesians 2 verse 2 he's referred to as the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. And then in Ephesians, 12, uh, Ephesians 6 we read that scripture now. Um, yeah, just against the ruler's authority's powers. I find sometimes people are at the extreme; they, they either blame the devil for everything or they don't really think he's doing anything. And most of the stuff that's going on is in their own lives. But... You know what, if you look at abortion in our country, if you look at human trafficking, if you look at the number of orphans that are in homes in, in South Africa, you need to know that there is an enemy out there and he's destroying and he aims for family. He he is out there to destroy families and especially Christian families. Um, if we go to... Okay Ephesians one verse one I'm going to start in the beginning of ephesians. I'm not going to highlight everything. I'm just going to highlight things that have either been an experience for me. I've always tried to believe that I wouldn't stand up here and talk on stuff I don 't have experience on. so I'm not going to run through everything i'm not it's um, what do you call a theologian when it comes to the book of, of ephesians. I've just done a study um, through it, so certain things that um, come up. He addresses this book to the saints and the faithful in Christ. So he's not talking about people that are not saints. I've got this, you might be wondering what these things on the stage are for. <laughs> that there, the big ugly root, is your old sin nature self. I heard Quiflo um, uh, Dollar the other day talking about the new nature and just how God uprooted that old nature out of us and put in a new nature. And I saw this, this whole image of an old plant being ripped out and a new plant coming in. And I was looking at my garden and we'd just pulled this horrible thing out. And so I thought, well, there we go. There's our root. So if you're struggling with the fact who you are today, I hope this encourages you because when you give your life to Jesus... You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. The Lord says you will be saved. And when you are saved, you then get a new creation. The Bible says you are a new creation. That spirit, his spirit, then comes in and dwells you. So, that new spirit is everything that heaven is. It's joy, peace, righteousness. There's the fruits of the spirit in there. The problem with us is that sometimes we've still got our own software up here, the mind that we have to contend with and deal with. And so we battle with some of us still going back there. But there's no ways you can go back there. This is what you are. You know what? And you've got to see yourself as a new creation. If you're battling with anger, you've got to know inside of you, you've got the fruit of the spirit, and you have got, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, What comes against anger? Self-control. You've got the spirit of self-control. This is a tomato tree from my house. And if you come really close, you'll see there's little, little green tomatoes on there. Um, They don't taste nice right now. And sometimes your fruit is not where you want it to be. But, you know, press on. It's going to get there. It's going to get there. (laughs) It's going to get there. Okay, so you are a saint. And so this book is addressed to you, to the saints and the faithful. I've put two scriptures underneath there. If you want to look at the, the qualities of a faithful person, go to Psalms and go to Luke because there are some good points there. He says, you're equipped through Christ with every spiritual blessing. Not some spiritual blessings. Every single spiritual blessing is yours. He chose you before the foundations of the world and regards you as holy and blameless before him. Um, As far as blameless is concerned, I'll give you a quick story from the book of Numbers. The people of Israel were coming out of of Egyptian bondage, and um, they were going through an area ruled by Balak. And he was pretty cheesed off with them, and there were a lot lot of them, and he wanted to fight them, but he realized he was just not strong enough for them. So he called the prophet Balaam and said to the prophet Balaam, you come and put a curse on these people. So Balaam got himself all prepared, and as he spoke the curse, a curse didn't come out, a blessing came out. You can go and, and read that. And so but um, Balak was pretty cheesed off with him and said, no, 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 this is not what I signed up for. Let's go to another mountain. Let's try this again. And he tried it again. And a curse didn't come out. A blessing came out. And so what he realized is you can't curse what God has blessed. You you kind of like miss a little bit in the story. But you read that all of a sudden, Israel, 24,000 people die. They get smarted by God. So... You find out only when you be, read in Revelations chapter 2 what actually happened. So for those of you that don't want to read the whole Bible, there's a lot of exciting things in it, okay? It a story from Numbers, Answers, and Revelation 2. So um, what actually happened is that Balaam taught Balak how to get the people to bring a curse on themselves. And so he basically said, listen, God's people, they're not allowed to commit adultery, they're not allowed to have any other gods, so why don't you get some ladies, and task the men, and then once they're coming into your home, you give them food that you have sacrificed to idols. And so you see where the curse came in. Because God was pretty jealous over the Israelite people. We are under the new covenant. And he's saying to us, we are blameless. No matter what you do, you are blameless you know what, I always say to people, listen, if you sin, it's a stupid thing to do. I've been there, done it, and it's, it really can just take a whole lot of your walk where you could have gone a straight path, you're going a crooked path. But you know what, just say sorry, Lord, and, and know that you're forgiven. And keep walking and keep pressing on. He says you, you are recipients of a glorious inheritance in heaven, secured forever by the Holy Spirit of promise. Um, he says you're adopted through the kind intention of his will. That word adopted, if you look at natural childbirth, the difference between adoption and natural childbirth is the element of choice. And when you have a child, you, you're going to get what you get. Boy, girl, color hair, you don't really have a choice. It's, it's coming, boy or a girl. You know? But when you go for adoption, you have a choice in that, who you choose, and God handpicked you, he chose you, I mean, that is, that is awesome, guys, that you're not just anybody out there, he adopted you, and chose you, and called you his own, and lavished with grace, man, like an all-you-can-eat buffet, loads and loads of it, I've got stories to tell, in my testimonies, i I was in the middle of an affair, and um, God, through his kindness, I would prayed, and I'd asked him for a car, and I won a car. And this was in 2008. In 2009, Grace came to this church, and I caught it, I think I caught it faster than a lot of people, simply because I had been a Christian, got caught up in a whole lot of sin, but... It didn't change who I was. I still this plant over here, but just not living out what I was supposed to be living out. Who who looks at this plant and can tell me, what does this plant need to survive? It needs water, light, sun, yeah. It needs nutrients, yeah. Oxygen. If you think of all those qualities, what do we need to survive? We need the sun. We need Jesus, We need the the refreshing of the Holy Spirit, the water, that living waters flowing from your belly. We need that TLC, that tender loving care with our Father, that intimacy. That intimacy is so, so, so important. And you need the, the nutrients, the Word of God. All of those things, the moment you pull away from those things you start going down a path that is not the right path. And it's not it's not the best place to be. Okay, so God still wants to bless you, even when you're not walking where you should be. Paul makes 12 points um, about our transformation. And he says we've been made alive in Christ. If I had to ask you something... Um, Who's the only enemy that you don't have to fear? Anybody. Death yeah, not the answer I'm looking for. It's part of it. A dead enemy. Okay, he's not gonna shoot back at you. He's dead. So now Christ, you've been made alive in Christ. Okay. You are suddenly his enemy. And he is going to come at you. But praise God, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Okay, we, we at one time fulfilled the lust of the flesh and the mind, but now we walk in the spirit and not according to the flesh. We've been made alive in Christ. Oh, sorry, I'm going ahead of you.
1: We've been made alive
0: in Christ. Um, that being been made alive in Christ. Uh, if you look at the original King James Version, the word is we've been quickened. Do you know um, that if you've ever had your nails clipped really short, especially when you were a kid and your mom clipped them and then they like, clipped them really, really short, there's a little piece of skin under your nail called the quick. If you take a pin or if you've had somebody clip you there, it's pretty sore. And if you stick a pin there, you get a pretty quick reaction to pull away. And I love the fact that he says that we were made, we we were quickened in our spirits. We are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We should be sensitive to him. Okay. We now sit in heavenly places in Christ. I put the plant on a chair because it's now seated in heavenly places. If you think about this, heavenly places. If you're up here and you've got arrows, if you're going to fight the enemy, what have I got on my side if the enemy's down there? Gravity. You see, my arrows are going to go, no matter, they will just keep going down. His, he will shoot them up at me, but at a point, because I'm so far up, gravity's going to turn and go back to him. Okay, so no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's what the word says. No arrow will come at you, okay, that God has not already dealt with. But we do need to do something in ourselves. We are the workmanship of God. God couldn't have made you any better than he made you. You are beautiful, okay? We draw close to him through the blood of Jesus. James says, draw close to God and he will draw near to you. Intimacy, guys, it's the start of your relationship with him. He talks um, about us having our habitation in God. He talks about us having boldness and confidence. Um, Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. We can be stable in this relationship with Christ. And we are able to experience the love of God, which goes beyond the comprehensible level. We are stable people. Okay, so I'm going to go through one, a word that I kind of feel will release a lot of you into knowing who you are. And when he talks about us being citizens of heaven, ambassadors of heaven, who knows what an ambassador is? a representative, okay? And what Wikipedia says is that an ambassador is an official envoy, especially a high-ranking diplomat who represents a state and is usually accredited to another sovereign state or to an international organization as a resident representative of their own government or sovereign, or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. Okay, so in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul calls us ambassadors of God, making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin, so that we would be made right with God through Christ. Do you know when, um, when a war breaks out in a country, who are the first people that are flown out of that country? The ambassadors. And I say that because when you walk anywhere on this earth, you got to walk knowing who you are, and knowing where you come from, and knowing what you represent. I asked the youth yesterday, where are you guys all from? And they all went Pinetown and Queensborough, and I said, no, no, where are you all from? Like, where do you originally come from? And they they couldn't get it. And, but you know what? We need to know we are not from this world. The Bible says we are not from this world. We are in this world. yeah. We live here. We're in it. But we're not of it. We are not of it. We are ambassadors of Christ. Some people have differing opinions on this, but I'm going to wing it because it's a conviction I have. Flu vaccine. When flu hits, <laughs> and flu season hits, and all you hear is about the flu vaccine. We are not from this world. Should that flu vaccine affect us? Should the flu affect us? It shouldn't. Guys, it should not affect us. I know some people's faith is not at that place. Dave will tell you, I don't get flu. I slept between him and Bethany Bethany's coughing and splattering here, this side, Dave, this side. And man, if I just get a snivel, I rebuke it. I am the healed, and I resist sickness. And that is my claim. I heard Andrew Womack say it, and I claimed it. I am the healed, and I resist sickness. And I challenge you all, when you get anything, don't wait for it to carry on. You know arthritis? They prayed for a guy, and prayed for him, 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 and eight times prayed for him, and eventually... The guy was healed. And when they asked afterwards, I can't remember the people that were giving the story, but when they asked afterwards, why did it take so long to get the guy healed from arthritis, the Holy Spirit said to him because they sat with it for so long and literally never said arthritis pain go. For years, it just built up and built up and built up and built up. Now you want to break down and break down. And yes, God is able He is more than able to break it down like that. But sometimes our faith is not at that place, and it takes a little bit more speaking over the situation when we don't see it to speak it again. Okay? We also know that sometimes you have to speak it once, and like with the fig tree, Jesus walked past and rebuked the fig tree, and it only died the next day. So just got to have faith for whatever your situation is and whatever you need to know that... You are an ambassador. You carry something different. Okay. Another thing you are, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. (laughs) That you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. I was reading this book, The Whisper. And it says in there, from the cradle to the grave, the pressure is on for us to be normal. People, we are not normal. There you've been told you're a peculiar people. You are not normal. You're the light of this world. You're the salt of the earth. You should be walking to the beat of heaven's drum, not the earth's drum. When you walk into a room, atmospheres should change. Those things, sickness should leave. The body of Christ, I believe, doesn't is not operating at its level that it should be at the moment is because a lot of us don't know all this. We, we want to put on the armor every day. We're putting on the armor, ding, 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 but then we're going out and we're skinnering about this one and we're fighting with that one and we... Hello? You know, Paul, the whole thing about Paul if, in, in Ephesians, he talks about all these things. Yo. I'm going to go on. Chapter 4. He talks about unity and maturity in the body, our position in Christ, united we stand, divided we fall. In chapter 4, verse 3, Paul tells us to do everything we can to keep the unity of the Spirit so that the Christians will be willing to link with us, other Christians. He uses the term endeavoring, meaning working hard. Be humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another, keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now if you look at all the, the, the um, armor that we have to put on, most of it's for ourselves. The, the helmet, the sword, the feet fitted with the readiness, the belt. But the shield is actually for the body of Christ. You know, because if I'm standing here and I've got my shield in front of me, the enemy can come from this side and come from that, and I'm, I'll be basically ooh, moving off my ear. I'll be moving, okay, to try and stop him. But that whole thing about stand... Is because when there are many of you in the body and you've all got your shields hooked into one another, you've seen on the movies and they form like little canopies and they move together like this, and it doesn't matter which angle the enemy comes from, he can't penetrate it because you are strong, united. But if you are not yet. Transformed or renewed in your mind, and you're still busy stealing and pinching from this one, the person that you're standing next to with the shield won't want to be next to you. Okay? (laughs) So it's as simple as that. He's saying, come on, guys, we should have this unity with one another. He puts a whole lot of things about what we should be like. He describes um, in Ephesians 4 the three step cycle. In, um, in our minds, you know, and what we should be. So he says, the first area is, is a renewed tongue. So speak truthfully to one another. The second area is a renewed emotion. When you're angry, do not sin. So he's telling us these things. We've got to watch what we say to one another. Are we, are we speaking in love? Are we encouraging one another? Or are we breaking each other down? Okay, this is, this is about us, guys. This is about who we are in the body. We don't have time for offense. Offense is a horrible, horrible thing when a person gets offense in their heart. Because, um, you know what, I've, I, I say it because I've been there. And I, it almost gets you to a place where you don't want to come to church because you don't want to see that person that you've got the offense again. And it's not right. You know, the the quicker you can identify that offense in your life and get hold of that person and make right, this is what he's talking about, the unity of the saints. Make right. Don't walk around with offense in your hearts for one another. You want to be an example to the world out there. You can't be at work talking bad about the church and about the people at the church if you come to the church because... The people you with, are you supposed to try and be a light to them? You are supposed to try and be an encouragement to them, and get them to come to church? But they're not going to want to come to church if they look at you as an example and go, "Well, I don't want to be a Christian. I'm like Christians act like that." You know. So we've got to be so aware that our actions line up to our calling. So aware of it. Okay. The next area talks about renewed actions. Still, that we've doubted that. Still, no longer. Okay, but work, doing something useful with your own hands. In Ephesians 5, he talks about walking circumspectly. Okay, in order to avoid the traps, snares, and detours, the Latin word circum means round, and speckly means to see. So watch where you are going. Follow God's example. Okay, not even a hint of sexual immorality or any impurity. No greed, because there are imp- These aren't proper for God's holy people. No obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather have thanksgiving. And then he goes further on. Sorry, I'm back there again. He goes further on and he gives instructions to Christian households. And then he ends in Ephesians 6. And he gives instructions to children about how they should deal with their parents and then instructions to fathers, how they should deal with their children, and slaves and earthly masters, employees, employers. So basically our manual for life. That's our manual for life. Ephesians was actually seen as a circular book. In other words, it was circulated to all the different churches in the area to try and encourage the believers to live lives that were worthy of the calling. You know, it's one thing to to say hey, I'm a child of God and to walk with those promises, but then live a life like you just don't care about your sin. You know, sin separates you in the sense that it it draws you, your own self, when you sin, okay, it it, it hardens your heart towards God. God has forgiven you. The, you know what? The world will come at you. God doesn't. He has forgiven you. And, and I, I've, I've seen it. I've been there and I've been walking there, knowing who I am, but still sinning. And the world will come at you. I was thrown out of a church and told I was going to be handed over to Satan. And, I, and you know what? It broke me. I went home. And I fell down on my knees and I wept before God. I I was playing a a CD, Josh Groban. And you know, all that I felt while I was on that carpet was the love of God. His love. And, And I can tell people, you know what? When you're sinning, the Holy Spirit will convict you. He does convict you. And if you're caught up in sin, man, and you're not listening, he will convict you, and he'll convict you, and he'll convict you. But if you just stop listening and stop listening, and your heart becomes hardened, and we know what happens to a hardened heart. And, and you know what? And the, and the nice thing about it is that just one back on your knees, Jesus, help me, and he comes in and he helps you. Okay, we, we are blameless. He loves us. He loves us, but don't test that love and don't walk down that road. Because Paul's saying to us, guys, finally, having done all this, all the the right things, the way we should be walking, the way we are, who we are, having done all, then put on the armor. And I love verse 18 where he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, prayer is such such an important um, aspect of who we are. Use spiritual weapons against the attack. 2 Corinthians. 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. We need to understand that the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but spiritual. If you're going to fight a spiritual battle, you need spiritual weapons. So our weapons. Prayer, fasting, the Word of God. I know some people love fasting. have got a love-hate relationship with fasting. But I can promise you one thing. That Jesus says, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast. He says, when you fast. So fasting should be somewhere in our lives. And we should be doing it definitely sometimes during the year. You know... Apart from the fact that it's a spiritual thing to fast, you'll be amazed at how your body picks up on health issues when you fast. I had, and this is going to gross some of you out, but I'm going to say it because (laughs) some people need to hear this. I had a fungus on my one toe, and I couldn't get rid of it. I rebuked it. I put oil on it. I anointed it. I took Holy Communion, and I rebuked it, and that fungus didn't die. I went to the doctor. I had medication. I had that other expensive thing. That thing didn't buy. One week of fasting. Gone. Sometimes you just need to have some water and let your body rejuvenate itself. Okay. It's a good, wonderful thing. Oh, stop. Stop. Is that my time up? Okay, quickly. You can't win this battle with human reasoning and methods. Let the Lord win the battle for you. The way that the whole thing started in the beginning was, even though the enemy may come in like a flood, the Lord says he will raise up a standard. Okay, but that standard is for us to get down on our knees and start to pray. Because we do have an enemy. But let me tell you what, the Word of God in our lives, time in His presence... Time in his presence is key to a victorious life. There's there so many. If you go on to, um I've put on the life group leaders' notes, but if you look at Steve's um, blog from this last week, there's some awesome scriptures on there for issues that you might be facing. If you go onto Joseph Prince's website and you, you go under um, also scriptures, There's a whole lot of scriptures for about seven different things in life, for protection, for safety, for, for finances, for purity. A whole lot of things where we know the enemy attacks us and scriptures to speak back. Because you know what? If you're suffering from depression, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I have the mind of Christ. That's your weapon to fight back at the enemy. If if you're struggling with finances, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Though he was rich yet for my sake, he became poor, so that I through his poverty might become rich. Though the lions grow weak and hungry, those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. And the the, devil knows he can't come at me with finances. I throw those things at him, and I threw those things at him before I had a financial problem. So don't think because you don't have a problem... You don't need to be praying those things. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you need to be praying for. Get some scriptures around those things and get those things into your heart because when the enemy comes, those things will come out of you at him. And those are spiritual weapons that are very, very powerful. The the Word of God. Okay, you need to understand that the enemy of our souls has an intense hatred for anyone that will follow Jesus wholeheartedly. He will not just lay over like a beat dog and expose his neck at the first sign of battle. He goes around like a roaring lion, not a whipped puppy. Okay. Prayer releases all your eternal resources. God is not in the business of handing out uniforms. He needs a warrior in the the armor. Start building your spiritual muscle so when the testing comes, you will stand firm. Okay. Steve, I don't know if you want to add anything. I've just um, thought if we divide everybody into groups of four and then look at the areas of your life um, where you feel like you have been attacked or maybe that you need victory over. And if you're with a group of of Christians, if you know the scriptures relating to those, um, then they'll come to you quickly. But if you need to look for them, then look for them. But get those scriptures just as a group. Each one have one. And then pray those things. With each other. okay. There's unity. The Bible says we're two or three are gathered in his name. He's here in the midst of us. So let's use this time to really pray with one another to get those things that are worrying you. Because you know what? God is so for you. And the enemy is a bully. But he's nothing to be afraid of. He really is nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of.